Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Let's all stand together and turn to page 118. Page 118. Good to see each one of you here this morning. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Sing it out on that first verse this morning. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. the Savior. Amen. And sure thankful uh, this morning and want to wish you a Merry Christmas and certainly glad uh, you're here this morning and you've made it a point to honor God. Amen. And uh, certainly that's what it's all about. And so let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer this morning and uh, we're going to be seated right after that. And then we've got just a couple of announcements and things and then we'll get right into our uh, continuing our song service this morning. But sure looking forward to uh, preaching about the birth of the Savior and uh, what a blessing. Praise God. God sent his only begotten son so that we can be saved. Amen. What a blessing uh, this morning. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother uh, Alan Quinlan, would you open us in a word of prayer this morning? Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, this morning? And of course, uh, many of you know this, but today is our only service, and so sure thankful that you made it a point uh, to be here uh, this morning. So there'll be no evening service tonight. And then Wednesday night, I uh, did just want to mention this there'll be no buses, there'll be a combined kids' class uh, downstairs. And uh, Brother Jack Parker, our youth director, 
uh, slash missionary to Japan, amen, is going to be preaching. And so wanted to mention that. And then, of course, next Sunday is New Year's Day, and so we'll be having regular services uh, all day. But, man, I'm telling you, come and start the new year out for the Lord, amen, and uh, looking forward uh, to that. And then, of course, uh, don't forget about uh, one of the special things that's coming up in the month of January is January the 15th. Uh, which is on a Sunday and our Sunday evening service, be having a send-off uh, service for our missionaries uh, to Japan. And so we'll have some fellowship over in the fellowship hall to follow. So make sure you bring some finger foods uh, and things like that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention uh, is that uh, we had a little bit of a Christmas Eve uh, waterfall going yesterday uh, over in the uh, fellowship hall. Uh, with the freezing uh, temps and things like that, we ended up having a pipe burst uh, over our kitchen uh, area, and it ended up flooding our fellowship hall as well as half of our gymnasium. And so, uh, thankfully, a lot of that water has uh, drained off, and uh, as well as some of it has already been drying up. And so, right now, we're kind of uh, have the fellowship hall and the gymnasium off limits and combed off and things like that. But I did just want to mention that we are uh, going to have a cleanup crew come in today that's going to help us with uh, the cleanup. And so I wanted to ask, I know I realize that everybody's got family stuff and things going on after the service today, but if you've got about five or ten minutes and maybe can help us to get the, the chairs and, and tables uh, in the fellowship hall and the junior church area to get those moved into the eastern court of the gymnasium, the one place that doesn't have water, uh, we would really appreciate that. That would make, uh, you know, many hands make uh, light work, and so that would be a real help to Brother Eric uh, and myself. Most of the water is out of there, and so thankfully uh, you shouldn't be, should be able to, uh, we should be able to get over there and get that done uh, without getting our feet uh, too wet. And so if any of our men uh, could help us out with that, we would sure uh, appreciate that. I I'm to, we're looking at the birth of the Savior this morning, and it is a humble scene. Truly, it is. And it really, I, I believe this, it requires, I, I think this, that it calls for us to have humility as well. And what I've been thinking about is I'm preaching on humility, and God is getting re me ready for that. Uh, with uh, the, the waterfall in the kitchen yesterday, but then not only that, but then the coffee maker uh, went out this morning. And so now I'm like, Lord, you have my attention. <laughs> Amen. So Come on ahead. Let's turn to page 125 this morning. Page 125, Away in a Manger. We'll sing all three verses this morning. <coughs> sing it out on that first verse. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky look down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes. The little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky And stay by my cradle till morning is nigh 
Be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask Thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in Thy tender care and take us to heaven to live with Thee page 137. I'm going to ask you to stand again if you would. Turn to page 137. Hark the herald angels sing. We'll sing the first, the third, and the last verse together this morning. Page 137. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king hail the hand born prince of peace hail the son of righteousness light and life to all he brings risen with healing in his wings mild he lays his glory second birth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. The instruments are going to continue to play. Let's get around and shake hands with each other this morning. Wish each other a Merry Christmas today. Let's sing it out together on the last verse. Come, desire of nations, come. 
Fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now efface. Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above. Reinstate us in thy love. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Amen. Let's go ahead and have our men uh, come uh, this morning. And uh, Brother Eric threw me a curveball. Brother Tim usually does this, and he, he went south. And I, I, I just I made a rule this morning that the maintenance man is no longer allowed to leave town. Amen. Uh, he, he leaves town, and the whole building falls apart. Amen. And uh, I don't know if he just pulled a hand grenade and left it, and I don't, I don't know what happened. Amen. But uh, no, I'm thankful they can get away and have some time with their family, uh, too. So let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, this morning. I'm going to ask Brother Rich Raymer if you'd pray for the offering uh, this morning.
Amen. What a blessing. I tell you what, getting two hands going, try doing four. That was amazing. Great job. Thank you so much. Let's stand one last time. Let's turn to page 123. Page 123, Silent Night, Holy Night. We'll sing all verses for our last song together this morning. Page 123, sing it out together on the first verse. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild. this morning.
Did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you, Mary. Did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. The blind will see the deaf will hear and the dead will live again the lame will leap the dumb will speak the praises of the Did you know that your baby boy is the Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? This sleeping child you're holding is the great I Boy, he is all that and so much more, isn't he? What a blessing. Well, sure, again, thankful that you're here uh, this morning. And uh, I'm not going to say that I don't have or that I have a long, you know, I don't have a long message because I don't know how long this thing is going to be. All right. But uh, 
I do. I know this. I can't go but a certain amount of time because we got the cleanup crew coming. Amen. So it's a win-win. Oh. Let's all stand this morning in honor of God's Word. Um, if you're able to stand and, and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke this morning in chapter number 2. I, there's a lot of places you could go to look at the birth of our Savior. And certainly I think of the book of Isaiah and the Old Testament. And certainly uh, I was kind of leaning in that direction. But with, with Christmas falling on a Sunday uh, this year, I, I couldn't help but to go to Luke in chapter number 2. And, uh, and I know I've said this to a lot of our church family. This is the passage that our family reads on uh, Christmas morning, uh, just looking at the birth story. And, and so I actually told our kids this morning, we're going to have prayer before we open our presents, but we're not going to read this because I'm going to read it and preach it to you in church today, all right? So uh, anyway, so they're getting, they're getting their first dose of it too this morning, all right? So Luke chapter number 2, look at verse number 1. And the Bible says, and it came to pass... In those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, and that's incredibly important, uh, important, isn't it? And notice it says in verse 5, "...to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child." And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him... In a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And I like this which shall be to all people. Alright, and what a blessing that is. And notice it says, For unto you, in verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. What a blessing that is. We're going to stop reading right there. You can certainly continue reading and see how the shepherds are going to go to the manger scene there. They're going to see the Savior and certainly acknowledge that and then go out and begin to tell others what has happened. Now, you and I would say this. This right here is the Christmas story. Friend, this is what it's all about. I, don't get mad at me this morning, but it's not about a fat man in a red suit. All right? And we understand that. And it's not even about the gifts and the trees and the lights and all of that stuff, though we all enjoy that. It is about the birth of our Savior. It is about God being manifested in the flesh so that He might live a sinless, perfect life 
die on the cross of Calvary and shed His blood for our sins so that we might be saved. And then He's going to be buried and then rise again the third day. What a blessing that is. This is what I wrote down. If the quality of a gift is determined by its value and the necessities it meets in our life, then truly this is the greatest gift ever given. And here's why. Because man's greatest need is to be saved. His need to be saved and be rescued from hell for all eternity and to know the God that created him in his image and so that he might be saved. And it is the birth of Christ that paves the way for all of that. But this is what I, this is what I want us to catch this morning. There, to me, if you step back and you look at this scene overall, and I'm not trying to retell the Christmas story. I don't think you need to. I think this is the principles, though, that we need to grab from this. It is a story of great humility. What really should have taken place in the palace took place in a stable. What should have been announced to kings and queens and nobles throughout the land was announced to lowly shepherds. And this is what I grab a hold of, of when I look at this. It is a scene of great humility, but it also shows us, that, and, and really it calls us as God's people to bear the characteristic of humility in our own lives. And I'm telling you, when you humble yourself and realize, listen, that opens the door to not only receiving the gift of salvation, but really rejoicing in the birth of our Savior this morning. So uh, let's let's, uh, look at this this morning. I, I titled it The Christmas Story, but I think if I were to subtitle it this morning, it would be this. The humility of the birth shows us the necessity to have humility in our own lives. Father, thank you for the Word of God, and thank you, Lord, for the birth of our Savior. And Lord God, I I pray that as we gather around your word and and retell a story, uh, Lord, that is certainly uh, one that's very familiar to us as God's people, I pray this morning that it would not be old hat, but rather we would find you taking this precious, familiar story and challenging us in our hearts and our minds this morning, causing us, Lord, to have humility as you have had humility, Lord, here And, oh God, that we would find ourselves humble and rejoicing and thankful for the birth of the Savior. And, Lord God, maybe there are some here this morning that have never been saved, never trusted in Christ as their Savior, really, truly humbled themselves and repented and gotten right with you and received the gift of salvation that you've given to us, Lord, this morning. Pray that you'd speak to hearts, Lord, even over that situation this morning. And God, I pray that you'd have your will and way in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Sure appreciate you standing in honor of God's Word. In his, uh, in his book, A Call to Excellence, Gary uh, Enrig tells this story uh, about uh, D.L. Moody, who was a well-known evangelist back in the late uh, 1800s. He said he was one of the most famous evangelists uh, in the world at that time, and, and people came from all over the world to attend uh, his Bible conferences in Northfield, uh, Massachusetts. And he said, one year, a large group of pastors from Europe uh, were among the attendees. They were given rooms in the dormitory of the Bible college there. And as was the custom in Europe, the men put their shoes outside the door of their room that night expecting them to be cleaned and polished by the servants during the night. Well, of course, there were no servants in the American dorms, but as Moody was walking through 
the halls that evening and praying for his guests, he began to see the shoes sitting outside of their rooms and he realized what was taking place there. And so instead of just letting them go, he decided to, uh, he decided to be a blessing to those uh, visiting preachers. He took the shoes and mentioned the problem to a few of the students in the Bible college, but none of them None of them offered to help. So, Bible college students, you need to help when that happens. All right, Cody, did you get that? All right, so. But none of them offered to help. And, and so, what happened was, is that the great evangelist then took the shoes, gathered them up, brought them back to his own room, where he began to clean and polish each pair. Moody told no one what he had done, but a friend who interrupted him in the middle of shining the shoes and helped him finish the task, later told the story of what happened. He said this, he said, despite the praise and fame he received because of God's blessing on his life and ministry, Moody remained a humble man. How oftentimes in the workplace, maybe even in the home, or even in ministry, those in authority put requirements on us that they themselves are not willing to keep. But here's the point of the story. This is not our God when it comes to the subject of humility. I want you to understand something, friend. And I want, you, I want to be clear on some things this morning. Number one, God does require humility from man. <laughs> Not a lot of amens this morning. This obviously isn't our favorite subject. But He does require it from man. Listen, it is demanded from man if you and I are to be saved this morning. Man must come God's way, which is by faith and not by works. And here's why. Because works offers boasting up, doesn't it? That's pride. Faith requires humility towards the Word of God. Somebody say amen this morning. Man, man, by the way, man must come through Jesus Christ alone. Man must humble himself to the death and the burial and the resurrection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He must accept the payment for his sins that was done on the cross of Calvary. And again, my friend, that, is, that, is a, that, that, is a, that requires humility. And by the way, all of this must be done with the heart. That's why Jesus and the apostles, they preach repentance, repentance toward God, and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, friend. Repentance is the other side of the coin of faith where man must turn Uh, where man must turn to Jesus Christ. He must also turn from himself and his sin. And whatever it is, he's trusting it and put it uh, in Jesus Christ. That is repentance. Repentance is a change of heart that results in a change of direction. A change of heart about what? Change of heart about God. A change of heart about you. A change of heart about your sin in the direction that you're heading, which is hell for all eternity. In repentance, my friend, catch this, the gateway to the door of repentance and faith is humility, a low estimate of one's own self-worth. That's what humility is. If you don't get anything this morning, then please get this, friend. That's exactly why He came. That's why He came. That's why He was sent. That, that's why, friend, that's why he was born. Well, why? Because he came to save sinners, friend. This is why he is proclaimed 
the Savior in our text. Savior, what does that mean? That means deliverer. Deliverer from what? The deliverer from hell and the punishment of our sin. And it's only through Him that we can escape the wrath of God and instead in turn have peace with God. It's the goodwill extended, friend. It is the goodwill of God extended toward us. Listen, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance, friend. I'm telling you, that's why. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's why, friend. He loves you and He wants you to be saved. I'm telling you, friend, listen, listen. This, but this reception of this gift, it starts with us humbling ourselves and realizing we need it in the first place. See, that's, that's really the problem, isn't it? Come on, that's really, I'm, I'm just telling you, we're, we're full of pride and we think we're good to go when the reality is we're not good to go and people are stepping off into eternity and having a reality check that there is a God in heaven and, and man, they're, they're stepping off into hell and I'm just telling you, friend, the reception of this gift, it starts with us humbling ourselves, having a low estimate of who we are and a high estimate of who He is. And what He's done for us in salvation. It was Easter time when I got saved. It could be Christmas time when you get saved. I like what one person said. said, Christmas is the promise and Easter is the proof. <laughs> Listen, you understand, Christmas is the birth of the Savior. But it's Easter when He went to the cross of Calvary, died for your sin and mine, shed the blood and rose again the third day, showing, friend, that He truly is the Messiah the Son of God, the Savior, Christ the Lord, as announced in our text. But here's, here's the other thing that we got to grab a hold of. Humility is also demanded for God's people. If we're to have a right relationship with Him and a right fellowship with Him, then we too must have it. When the believers were frustrated in their fellowship with God and couldn't seem to get an answer from Him regarding any of those things, James, writing to them, cleared up the matter. And here's what he said in James 4, 6. He said, but he giveth more grace. Aren't you glad for that? But then he goes on and says this, wherefore he saith, watch this, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. You catch that? And this is why he would later say this, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. See, my friend, I'm telling you, the economy of God is far different than the world's economy. Where you and I want to exalt ourselves so that we can be exalted, God says to get low and to get humble and to think less of yourself. And that's when the grace of God engages itself. That's when the blessings of God engage themselves. That's when the goodness of God engages itself. If you want the attention of God, then my friend, get low. Then get low. That's why there's great verses in the Bible like Psalm 51 and verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart, O God. Thou wilt not despise. Probably one of my favorite verses is Isaiah 57, 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. What I'm saying to you this morning, child of God, please listen to this, is that humility and repentance and brokenness and, and, and to have a contrite heart, that's not just needed by the lost to get right with God. That's needed by the saved too. 
If we're going to have, listen, I, I would venture to say, friend, we, listen, we, 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 we've got a lot of God's people today that are frustrated in their walk with God like James is, is dealing with, distant from God, empty in their prayer life. Almost feels like this, you're getting the silent treatment from God. But please grab a hold of this. That, that's not, it, it's, it's not, the ball's not in God's court, it's in ours. And He's waiting for us to get low. But, but again, this is, what I, this is what you and I got to grab a hold of this morning. And that's this. And, and please get this. God, God, God is not hypocritical in this requirement for us to humble ourselves. What do you, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, he's not, he's not demanding something from us that He hasn't done Himself. Isn't that good? You, you understand? And you, you and I, we could look at the Savior's life. Well, we could, we could look at his death. But my friend, humility starts at the very beginning as well with his birth. With, with his birth. I, I, love, I love Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. That kind of really sums all of this, just this introductory thought up. He says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Why? Because he is God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And my friend, I'm just saying to you this morning that God calls us to humble ourselves and to get right with him and to walk with him and to rejoice in him. But my friend, it's not a hypocritical demand because he done it with Jesus Christ. In fact, look at our text this morning and let's just dive into these things and look at verses 1 through 6 because really this is what I would say. I would sum up the very first verses here as the providence of God. Look, look at what happens. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Amen. It's like Joe Biden ruling right there. Amen. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth under under Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house in lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary as a spouse wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Now, you and I got to understand we're jumping right into the gospel of Luke. And, and if you go back in chapter number one, you'll see where Joseph and Mary, they've already been made aware of what's about to take place. The supernatural birth of the Savior, the angel Gabriel has come to uh, Mary and informed her she is a virgin. All right, and, and we understand all of that, but really what I would say to you is this, that here in chapter 2 we begin to see the providence of God engaging itself, working behind the scenes for the intent of the Word of God to be ful- fulfilled. We, we know some things. We know that this is the promises of God being carried out from the Old Testament. The Messiah, we know this, the Messiah must come from the tribe of Judah. And that's according to the prophecy of Jacob in Genesis 49 in verse number 10 that says 
The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. That's talking about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Um, also this, that the Messiah, he must be of the house and lineage of David, as, as, all, as already mentioned there in verse number 4. That's according to the promise or the prophecy uh, given to David in 2 Samuel 7, when he said this to David, who was the king of Israel, in verse 16, In thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee, Thy throne shall be established forever. Jesus is the rightful King of kings and Lord of lords. He's going to establish that throne forever. And we also know this. He must also be born of a virgin according to the prophecy of Isaiah. Come on, friend. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. God with us. What a blessing that is. And lastly, and, and this is where we begin to see it unfolding there in verse number 6, that, she should, uh, that the days were accomplished that she should be delivered because what's being fulfilled in our text is this, He must be born in Bethlehem. In Micah 5, 2 it says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall come forth unto me he that is to, uh, he, unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. In fact, if you go to Matthew in chapter number 2, and you don't have to for time's sake this morning, but you'll find the wise men coming to King Herod. And, and by the way, it's about two years later. They're not at the birth scene here, but they did start at the birth of Christ and begin to come, and they come to Herod. And uh, tell him that the king, uh, the king of kings has been born. Herod wants to know. So he asked the Jews. And the Jews tell him, according to Micah 5.2, he was born in Bethlehem. And right here it's being fulfilled. But look at verses 6 and 7 together. He says, And so it was, a, so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And I really, I believe this. This is the great scene of the humble birth of the Savior right, right here. I, and again, what, what should have taken place in a palace, in really the palace of all palaces. I, I don't think there was anything good enough to house the Savior. Amen. But, but, and you, but you understand, it, it says this, that there was no room for them in the end. So they were forced to go out into the stable area where they kept the animals. And I would venture to say this, that Joseph and Mary, just like any other normal couple, were trying to make the best of their situation. All right? And, and they took the swaddling clothes that they had and, and wrapped up the baby and put him there in a manger, which is basically a feeding trough for the animals. And I don't know if they put, you know, some hay in there, make him comfortable and... And, and put a nice little, you know, just tried to make the best of it as they, as they could. And what a, what a humble, humble scene. But this, this, is, this is always what I think of. What an opportunity that the innkeeper missed out on. I always think about that. And I, man, and I think, you know, you think about restaurants today that, that they'll oftentimes have somebody famous come into their restaurant. And so they'll take their picture or hang their picture up on the wall uh, as if to say to their, uh, you know, to their constituents that, hey, this is who came here, so our food, it must be great. Or uh, you know what I'm saying? I remember going to Oklahoma City and eating in a steakhouse in there, and we came in, 
and we were going in there with some friends and and I walked in and there was a picture of George W. Bush and George Bush. There was even a picture picture of Bill Clinton. I was surprised a Democrat would eat meat. I'm going to offend somebody before this thing's over with this morning. But I, man, they were, because they had been there, and they were like, we got a great steakhouse. And I was like, awesome. And so we came in and ate. And I'm thinking, think about the innkeeper, the opportunity he missed out to have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords born in our Holiday Inn Express. How awesome that would have been. What a, what a missed opportunity, no doubt, that, that he had. But, but here's the other thing. Look at what happens in verse, verse number 8. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. I would be afraid just like you would be afraid. But I love this, and notice in first thing out of his mouth, in verse number 10, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, and here's why, because it's not bad news, it's good news says, For behold, I bring you good tidings, good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And I want to say to you this, listen to this. While no one in the inn knew what was taking place out in the stable, God knew. Friend, all of heaven was rejoicing in the plan of God that for all the ages has, is now beginning to unfold. Oh, come on, friend, this is not a plan B. Oh, come on, friend, this is not, well, you know, the law didn't work, so God had to throw in Christ. No, 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 friend. He fulfilled the law and the prophets, my friend. This is, listen, listen, this has been established since the foundation of the world, and now it's being fulfilled, friend, and he sends his angel here. Maybe it was Gabriel, we're not told, to announce the birth of the Son of God to these shepherds out in the field outside of the town of Bethlehem. And the question that comes to my mind is this, why in the world is it the shepherds? Why why not the nobles of the land? Why not the rulers of the land? Hey, why not even those staying right there at the end? Why didn't they get the message? And I, man, I, I think when you begin to ponder things like that, there's certainly a multitude of reasons maybe you and I could come up with. But I only came up with maybe about two. And I would say that the first one was because of what the shepherds were watching by night. I I don't realize if you understand this or know this, but these shepherds of Bethlehem were known suppliers to the sheep that would be sacrificed at the temple for God's people. And boy, doesn't that just fall right into the picture that Jesus is the Lamb of God that's come forth now to take away the sin of the world. Somebody say amen this morning. And it's almost like God's saying, okay, fellas, your job's over. Because my son's coming to do it once and for all. <laughs> but I think this is the other reason. I, I think it's their character. It's their humility. The shepherds were of the lowly in society. And be a fact, this falls right into the pattern of what God has done all throughout His Word. If you're there in Luke chapter number 2, would you take your Bible and just go with me quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 1? Let me just show you a, the pattern of God 
all throughout his word. Look, look, at, look at 1 Corinthians 1. And let me just give you, just real quick, you don't even have to go back to Luke chapter 2. Probably won't be back there today. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, look at verses 26 through 29. This is what Paul said to the church at Corinth. He said this, he said, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to be brought to bring to naught the thing, the, bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. I mean, my friend, can you not even see that in the birth of the Savior? That here is, here is uh, Caesar thinking that he's large and in charge, but really it's the providence of God behind the scene who's really in charge of all things and is setting things up to bring forth his Son into the world so that the world might be saved. You, you want to know, know why God would reveal the greatest news of all time the greatest news of all time. Everything that history and the Word of God centers on, who is Jesus Christ, and and to share the greatest news of His birth to the shepherds that the King of kings and the Lord of lords has been born. You You want to know why He went to them? It's because He knew they'd receive it. It's because of their character, their humility, that they would receive it, that they would obey His Word, that they would go to the manger scene and see the Savior. They would worship the Savior and give praise and glory to God. They would go out and they would tell everybody else that they ran into what they had seen and what God had done. That's why God showed it to them, not the people at the end or the innkeeper. This is what I wrote down in my notes, and I even underlined it. And if you want it, you know, take it for what you will. It is a humble birth revealed to humble people so that God can be glorified. Now, let me, let me listen, let me give you two things, and I'm done. Just two quick thoughts. Are you ready? Okay. Here, here's the first thing don't, don't be like the inn or, you know, the people of the inn or the innkeeper and miss and miss what God has for you. Do, do, you know, and, and do you know what causes you to miss what God has for you? Pride. It's pride. It'll keep you lost, friend, and in your sin and on your way to hell for all eternity, and God doesn't want that for you. Listen, there is a God in heaven. There, come on, friend, somebody say amen. I know you got up early this morning and opened presents, and you're wore out, and you don't even know whether you're in the body or out, and you cannot tell, right? But friend, there is a God in heaven. That's right. And He loves you, and He sent His Son to die for you so that you might be saved. Amen. And, and I'm just telling, listen, and, and, and the way to receive the greatest gift is to humble, simply humble yourself and come to Jesus Christ by faith. It is as simple as Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's how it works, friend. God dealing with you this morning and saying, man, that's me, that's where I'm at. I need to be saved. And my friend, respond and come to him. And I like verse 13 of Romans 10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what that means? That, doesn't, that means this. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. God can forgive you and save you this morning. But you've got to come to Him, friend, and that starts with humbling yourself and realizing who He is and who you are Amen. and that you need to be saved. But this is what I would say for us as God's people. Let us be like the shepherds. Let us be lowly in character and humble because that's the ones that we found at the, at the birth scene, at the manger, rejoicing in the birth of the Savior worshiping and giving glory unto God, even going out and telling others what has taken place. Can, can I ask you something this morning? It's just real simple. Which, which group do you fall into? I'm going to tell you something. I, I want to be where they're with the shepherds, friend. The people at the end may not know what's going on, but God knew what was going on, and I want to be, be where God's at. And if I want to be where God's at, then my friend, that means this. I've got to get a low estimate of who I am and a high estimate of who He is. Let's all stand this morning.